Hi, I'm Nick Gary, co-founder and vice chairman of Blockchain.com. At Blockchain.com, we are truly passionate about how crypto is making a core difference to communities beyond our own, particularly within the charity and philanthropy sector. Did you know that charities like the American Red Cross, Electronic Frontier Foundation, and even UNICEF accept crypto donations? Crypto donations make it possible for payments to be crowdfunded almost instantly and get to those in need across the world as quickly as sending a text message. Just in the last 12 months, Ukraine has received roughly $100 million in crypto donations to help the humanitarian crisis in its conflict with Russia, and the UN Refugee Agency has been utilizing stablecoins to help distribute aid to those affected on the ground. Organizations such as the Giving Block help charities get set up to accept crypto as a form of donation, widening the pool of those who can help to make a difference. I want to share a recent conversation my colleague Lorna Hutchman had with Pietro Moran, head of partnerships at The Giving Block, and Sarah Kershaw, digital acquisitions lead at WaterAid. Sarah explains the benefits of accepting crypto donations as a charity and the role The Giving Block has played in WaterAid's crypto journey. You can check out links to both charities in the show notes. We hope you enjoy the show. Today, we'll hear from two incredible non-for-profit organizations on the role cryptocurrency can play within the charitable sector and how making the digital transition to accept cryptocurrency has made a difference to their cause. My name's Lorna Hutchman. I'm marketing manager at blockchain.com and I'm very excited to be joined by Pietro Moran, director of partnerships at The Giving Block and Sarah Kershaw, digital acquisitions lead at WaterAid. To kick things off then, Sarah, why don't you give us a bit of background on WaterAid and what the core mission is, and then Pietro, you can follow with The Giving Blocks. Great, well, hi everybody. Thank you for having me on. Um, so my name is Sarah Kershaw. I'm the digital acquisition lead at WaterAid in the America office. Um, WaterAid is an international development nonprofit. We were founded in 1981 um, and we work in over 30 countries. Um, and the simplest, simplest sort of distillation of our work is that we uh, equip communities with bathrooms, clean water and hygiene education. So taps, toilets and hand washing, you know, the bare bones. Um, and we do that to allow people to kind of live dignified lives and sort of allow them to thrive. Um, and yeah, that's my summary. I can go into more detail if, you, if needed, but that's the kind of the basics. Yeah, no, that's great. Pietro, what about the given block? Sure thing. So Pietro Moran, uh, as you mentioned, I'm the director of partnerships here at the giving block and the giving block's been around since about 2018. What we do is we are a platform for nonprofits to help fundraise crypto. And we are working currently with over 2,000 nonprofits from, you know, both the United States and internationally, helping them fundraise across 80 different crypto assets and really um, opening the avenue for this new donor demographic of crypto enabled uh, givers or donors. And excited to say that even over the last 12 months, we've helped fundraise over $100 million across our charity network, uh, which I think highlights the social impact that crypto holders want to give. Um, and connects, you know, nonprofits and donors in these new, novel, and exciting ways, which we're happy to help facilitate. Amazing! Two incredible causes. Uh, Sarah, starting at the beginning, then, when did WaterAid first start accepting cryptocurrency as donation? 
Sure. Um, so Water Aid's crypto journey actually started in 2018, um, and the Water Aid UK office did a blockchain experiment sort of project to try and kind of capitalize on what Pietro was just saying about sort of the donors having some sort of visibility on what was happening. Um, and it's sort of been a steady trickle. And then in 2020, a fairly fateful year when that pandemic hit that we don't talk about anymore, but the pandemic hit. And I'd been sort of like paying attention to crypto for a while. And of course, it really started to take off then. Um, and I'd been sort of badgering my boss for a while to kind of let's kind of investigate this. Um, and it happened that a, a large component of our work is hand washing education. And of course, at that point in the pandemic, that's all we really had in terms of defense, you know, that we could actively do. Um, so suddenly our work was um, incredibly topical and relevant to large swathes of the, of the global community in a way that it's, it's often not, you know. Um, and so that really helped. Um, and so I was already kind of talking to, um, I think, Pat at the Giving Block. Um, and it just so happened at that, that moment, um, it just was a perfect opportunity to try it. Um, and then Giving Block made it really, really easy, which was great because I don't have a whole team of developers on site to kind of implement sort of complicated code. It was a very simple process to onboard. Um, yeah, so we started there um, and it's just been sort of growing ever since. Perfect. And Petra, why don't you talk us through that process of onboarding and how simple it is for charities? Absolutely. So onboarding a nonprofit to the giving block is what we like to think a, a painless experience. At least we try to make it as, as painless as possible. What it does or what it looks like is anytime a nonprofit's interested, we'll typically collate some information around what kind of charitable status they have in the United States if they're registered as a 501c3 or equivalent internationally. That makes things quite easy. So it's essentially document collection, understanding the mission, purpose, uh, and rationale for what their you know, means of operation is. And then our onboarding process takes typically five to seven business days. So we're a technology partner for our nonprofits. We do the heavy lifting for them. Um, as Sarah mentioned and was gracious enough to mention, you know, we're really just ensuring that these, you know, outlets for donor dollars or crypto are legitimate, compliant, uh, and legal in the areas of operation that they, they claim to be in. And as long as all of that checks out, then we have a very systematic uh, workflow to get them onboarded. And so that's been the reason why we've had success in onboarding as many charities as we have um, is, you know, one, we make it simple and two, uh, we're, we're quick to the punch, if you will. So we don't want to make this a two, three, four month ordeal uh, where people could lose interest. So we're quick to the quick to the action, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It sounds like it's a pretty seamless process and the end then. And so for you, Sarah, what is the main benefit of accepting cryptocurrency? Well, of course, immediately just actually bringing in income or nonprofits. You know, I'm a fundraiser essentially, so that's always going to be important. Um, but it just also is this huge opportunity to uh, attract new donors, uh, new supporters. Um, and it's a completely different segment from our traditional donors, our existing house file. Um, and, you know, there's lots of doom and gloom reports about, you know, people don't trust nonprofits. And, you know, there's, it's sort of, you know, some of the kind of the research is a little bit depressing. And so to have this opportunity to connect with people who maybe haven't been engaged in this way before and also perhaps for the first time have, um, you know, these sort of these crypto portfolios and they want to start sort of, you know, acting in a slightly more philanthropic way, which is sort of a new experience for them. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a lovely opportunity and 
sometimes it's a staggering they kind of the feedback I often get is people are just pleasantly surprised by what they can do on kind of from the comfort of their phone or their laptop, whatever they're using, you know, this is a very digitally savvy group. Um, and it's, it's really nice to hear that they're kind of always very excited and, and animated by the idea that them sitting there kind of on Twitter can really have an impact on morales. Um, yeah, it's just humbling. Yeah. So tapping into a totally different cohort of donors from, what you're usually used to yeah exactly entirely different um with entirely different habits and and desires to be engaged in their own way and they definitely want control of that relationship which you know anyone that works in any digital capacity has to have some sort of like stance on if you get the donors to come to you or if you're willing to meet the donors where they are um and I personally have always favored going to where they are. I'm like, what are they using? How do they want to engage? If they want to control the relationship and send, you know, DMs on Twitter, fine. You know, they're kind of often resisting traditional stewardship techniques um, and because they want to have a sort of slightly more one-to-one relationship. So it has some parallels with a lot of traditional major donor stewardship, for example. Yeah, totally hear what you're saying. And so, as you mentioned, Sarah, this year has been a whirlwind for crypto. And despite the ups and downs, Petro, what's the demand been like for charities still looking to onboard? We've been uh, extremely humbled by the level of demand, even throughout the, you know, would you say crypto winter, you know, the bear market as we all know it colloquially. Uh, I think what's exciting is that nonprofits oftentimes understand that the markets will ebb and flow, but their need to meet their funding gaps and raise, you know, from donors um, doesn't change just because the market is, uh, you know, in a bull or boom or a bust, let's just say. So nonprofits have still approached us. We've, you know, continued to onboard large uh, nonprofits and small across multiple different categories. We haven't really seen too much of a turndown in demand. What we've seen now is folks who maybe thought they were, you know, let's just say FOMOing into something last year can now slow things down a bit, be a little bit more thoughtful and say, okay, we've always wanted to have a crypto strategy in late 2021. The market was so intense and there were too many different things going on. We were approached by too many different opportunities that now we can, you know, take a step back, assess where the market um, will go and, and coordinate something for the long term, as opposed to feeling rushed into that decision. And so we've had a lot of those conversations from last year, also convert now, where nonprofits feel like it's not, you know, a bit of a uh, forced, you know, decision to try to keep up with the trend. Um, they still understand they're early to this, you know, crypto philanthropy movement, but maybe they've taken the six or eight or 10 months now to, um, fi- you know, figure out a holistic strategy, which ultimately leads to greater outcomes over time. And from a donation perspective, uh, we've been very fortunate in that year over year, our donation volume has grown. Um, even in spite of crypto prices, you know, in some cases going down 60, 70, 80%. And that to me just says that we're becoming the trusted name in the space, working with great folks like Sarah, you know, leveraging the fact that donors want the variety of what they can donate, but also who they can donate to. Um, And so that I think has bolstered our, uh, you know, I guess, resilience to market sways. It's so great to hear. And that really rings true. That slow and steady wins the race approach. And going back to the question of the process and onboarding, what are some of the common challenges that charities often face in those early stages of onboarding? 
So that depends. Uh, it depends on the type of organization, the size, the team that they have to dedicate to something like this. What we try to do is, you know, supplement an organization's existing headcount insofar as we don't want them to feel like it's necessary to hire a crypto expert just to participate in this. So we've done a lot in terms of providing toolkits and education on the crypto ecosystem. As Sarah mentioned, right, when you get a DM from a potential donor that says, you know, GM guys, uh, are we all going to make it? Uh, what does that even mean, right? I think that's a very relevant piece of feeling like you're ingratiating yourself to that audience and that demographic of donors. Um, it skews a little bit younger, right? So we're not sending letters in the mail or, you know, traditional marketing tactics maybe aren't going to work. So we try to supplement that and avoid those pitfalls maybe where a nonprofit isn't far enough up on the learning curve to feel comfortable. So that's where we take a lot of the, the, the lifting and education on that side. I think some of the pitfalls are really just, you know, at the board level, convincing the right stakeholders that crypto is the right asset class to accept. We do a very good job, I think, of dissuading, um, you know, or, or assuaging, let's just say, fears around that. What I think people don't understand is that crypto is actually an extremely liquid asset that you can auto-convert to fiat if you do feel uncomfortable, but it's also the type of thing that you can hold for the long term. Um, and then, you know, just finally educating on things like the tax benefits in the potential jurisdictions that you might be in, where the donors actually have a really high incentive to donate this type of asset. Those are, I guess, some of, you know, the key or salient points around where Maybe the opportunity exists, but it's not being fully recognized, and we try to bridge the gap there. Education, I think, is the key, the foundation of all that. Completely. So looking into the crystal ball a bit now, Sarah, what do you think the future holds for crypto within the charity and philanthropy space? Um, yeah, this is a really interesting one, because I think rather than when like the internet sort of first came around, um, charities now are being much more proactive about being involved in this and trying to be much more um, open-minded and just, yeah, aware of the opportunities, which is really kind of fantastic. So the innovations are sort of almost the sky's the limit, but a few things I can see happening is that with any sort of luck, um, sort of crypto donors and sort of crypto giving will become a much more kind of established part of uh, non-profit fundraising and just in general it will become sort of a cornerstone in the way that peer-to-peer -peer has always been and that kind of thing so that can kind of grow um there and it will be relationship based um and stewardship as um, pietro mentioned will be much sort of more one-to-one -one. um but then generally the opportunities in terms of what blockchain technology can do um, and who it can connect um there's some amazing white papers out there, something I don't say very often, but there's some really good white papers about um, the Danish government and I think Mercy Corps doing some good sort of thought pieces, um, but there's lots of people experimenting in this space. Um, anything from taking advantage of the, um, the transparency um, that blockchains often afford people, whether auditors or donors or grant makers, um, that's huge, um, the opportunities for um, sort of direct giving uh, to sort of recipients, uh, which can be really beneficial in something like um, an aid scenario or a refugee crisis, where people are moving quickly and the faster the money gets to the right people, you know, the, you know, the better it's, it alleviates some of the issues. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of transparency for the donor and the end beneficiaries could be huge. Um, and it's a bit sort of dry, but some of the 
the auditing kind of cost savings that come from having blockchain financials um, are significant. And then every every dollar you're not spending on fiat exchange rates is something you can put towards your mission. Um, so it just the efficiencies um, I really like. So I get very animated on this subject. Um, no, also just bringing people together, just you know, people that we're not usually able to meet. Um, who perhaps have an interest in some of the countries where Wall Street is working or any nonprofit, you know, um, it can just really forge relationships there. Um, and I think it's entirely positive. So what I'm hearing then is it's sort of, it it has an opportunity at every operational level, you know, and what do you think, Pietro? Is that similar for the given block? Yeah, I think it's really exciting. It's pretty rare that we get to usher in a new asset class into the mix of, you know, acceptable donation assets. And so that's a really fun undertaking. Um, I think Sarah made a really good point of, you know, recognizing that crypto is oftentimes a community building tool. Um, you see a lot of the holders of various coins or your know, participators in various projects or participants rather in various projects, whether those be like certain types of NFTs, or they might have a certain, you know, wallet application that they all use, or might, you know, leverage a piece of technology in the crypto ecosystem where there is an established community. And then many of those, you know, participants might overlap in the things that they care about and the social impact that they'd like to see happen in the world. And I think that gives us a very interesting way to, you know, bridge the gap and create the sort of level of adoption at the institutional level for many of these nonprofits. Um, where it was more difficult, you know, it's not like you can always approach the holders of like a major stock, uh, you know, in a company and say, hey, would you guys all get on board for something like this? I think the fact that crypto is young and new allows us that opportunity. As far as the future, I think that we want to make crypto donations just synonymous with philanthropy generally, um, make it part of everybody's toolkit, uh, because at the end of the day, you know, Crypto is oftentimes the most advantaged asset to donate versus, say, stocks, cash, or otherwise. And so leveraging all of those benefits, um, I think, will become one of the major drivers of this adoption. And then, you know, finally, as crypto integrates itself into our, our lives generally, we want to be a part of that technology adoption that will spur, you know, not just, you know, let's say a million individual donors a year, but maybe 100 million donors a year. And so we view that as, a very asymmetric opportunity to create a lot of impact where it isn't yet happening. Um, and we're very thankful for, you know, WaterAid and others uh, in lending us their support in that effort. Wonderful. And that really leads nicely into my next question for you, Sarah, which is, can you talk a bit about any current campaigns that you're working on or any upcoming projects where a crypto donation could really help right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have um, an ongoing uh, crypto campaign called Water Wagme, playing on the, the Wagme theme. Um, just the concept of, you know, without clean water, we're not all going to make it. Could we, let's see what we can do to address it. So it's a sort of, uh, and it's a, an appeal to try and reach um, 1 million, uh, to raise 1 million in uh, US dollars to reach a further 20,000 people each year with clean water. So just very simple. Um, but then general projects happening right now, we have um, our, win our Water is Life Winter Appeal happening, which is for um, water to be um, to help health centers and throughout the world. But this year we're focusing on Mozambique um, to equip them with uh, clean water, taps and toilets. Um, so you, know, you can function as we would all want our health centers to function. 
Um, so that's ongoing now. Um, we are due to start work, kind of foundation digging and the rest, uh, I think in February, 2023, um, but the fundraising is ongoing all on the website. Amazing, such a great cause. And for the non-crypto folks, WAGME is an acronym commonly used on crypto Twitter as we're all going to make it. Um, so very exciting stuff. And Pedro, what about the given block? What's coming up? Well, we're really excited to, um, you know, announce that I think just yesterday, actually, we had a soft launch of a new product that we're calling peer-to-peer -peer fundraisers, or just fundraisers generally on our website. We've noticed that I think a lot of people in the crypto ecosystem want to personalize the way they give. And we want to leverage the infrastructure that we've already built to allow them that opportunity. And so what will happen is we actually have a section on our website now where any individual organization partner of ours can create their own fundraiser to support an organization of their choosing. And then they will have their own custom, essentially branded web page on our website. In the same way you see things like GoFundMe out in the wild, um, it will be the same thing, but for a charity of your choice. And that way we can kind of create, uh, you know, virality around the giving process and invite others in the community to participate and kind of jump aboard that train. Uh, so that's one of the exciting things that we're working on right now. You know, we're also, you know, constantly putting out a call to our partner network. I'd obviously be remiss if I didn't bring up our great partners as a, a partnerships person here. Um, and so those are on the nonprofit side, but also in the crypto ecosystem, constantly creating sort of that, that uh, network of partners, organizations that they're already, you know, an established business, but they want to give back. They want to see something happen in the world. And we can maybe be that outlet to connect them or bridge the gap between, you know, the Sarah's and the blockchain.coms of the world. Right. Um, so even this, for example, is a great example of um, that in action. And that's what we're really excited about. So peer-to-peer -peer fundraisers and then constantly just creating more opportunities for nonprofits and crypto organizations and individuals. Two amazing projects coming down the pike for sure. So finally, Sarah, can you let our audience know where they should go if they want to know more about WaterAid? Sure. So um, please visit um, our website, wateraid.org uh, slash US. Um, and then you'll see some donates of information, crypto information on the, on the head navigation. And Pietro, where can folks go to learn more? Absolutely. So you can find us at thegivingblock.com. Um, all of our nonprofits are also listed on the website. So you can go either to WaterAid or find them on our website. Um, but then you can also find us on Twitter uh, at thegivingblock. Uh, similarly with Instagram, Discord, wherever you might live uh, if you're a crypto native. So want to make sure that uh, we get in touch and have a chance to connect. It's been truly insightful to learn about crypto's role in enhancing the incredible work that both of your organizations are doing. And before we sign off, I just want to thank you both for coming on and speaking so passionately about your cause. Thank you for listening to the blockchain.com podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please like and subscribe to the show. And if your friends and family are embarking on their crypto journey, why not share this episode with them? If you haven't already, visit blockchain.com to sign up for a free crypto wallet today. We've been around since 2011 and we're the world's most popular way to buy, sell, and trade crypto. See you next time.